Hi, I'm Harriet, a mental health professional and educator, and this is Dawn Breaks, the podcast all about finding hope and maybe also healing after reaching rock bottom. This week on the podcast, my wonderful guest Kerry and I talk about domestic violence and emotional abuse. And I just want to give you a bit of a heads up that this conversation is going to be happening today. It's a really inspiring one, so I definitely encourage you to listen. But just in case these issues that are currently affecting you, I wanted to just let you know first. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this week's episode of Dawn Breaks and I'm really excited to invite on Kerry who is joining us today. So welcome Kerry. Thank you Harry, it's lovely to be here. Oh it's lovely to have you and how do we find you today? How are you? It's been great thank you. I have in fact I've just not long uh, caught up with the series of the podcast actually so it's been fantastic and it's been really intriguing I guess to hear everyone's stories and fascinating and inspiring as well to hear everyone's stories so I'm feeling pretty inspired for a Friday actually as we're recording this and it's um and it's been great and and actually what it's done is it's compounded how much of an honor it is to contribute to the podcast so thank you again oh thank you so much that's so lovely of you to say that I really appreciate that and I'm just so glad that it's sort of touching people's hearts and spirits I suppose because we sort of need it at the moment don't we I feel like everyone is having a a bit of a hard time you know myself and mental health profession included that it's it's hard to keep upbeat and sometimes we need some a little bit of a support and these inspiring stories have really certainly really helped me hearing them all so thank you I massively appreciate that no you're very welcome it's, it's really been great so Kerry you know a little bit about the structure of the podcast with all of your background research that you've done but in case someone's listening for the first time what I'll do is I'll just recap kind of how I set the episode up so that if yeah someone's listening for the first time and they don't know instead of giving Kerry a big introduction what I like to do is go back to a time when potentially you were feeling much lower or feeling a bit hopeless and then we're going to talk about and explore that a little bit and then we'll move forward to a time when you felt a bit more hopeful and how you got there and the things that might have helped you whether there was anything tangible and then we'll move on to kind of where that's taken you now and look at all the amazing things that you're doing at the moment so in a way I like to do it in a very sort of natural way that you would meet someone and hear about their story and then hear about kind of all the stuff that you're doing now so I wonder if there's there's a time that you would be happy to share with us when you felt particularly low in yourself or were feeling potentially quite hopeless? Sure and I guess for me what's interesting is when I was thinking about this obviously in preparation for the podcast is I was thinking when is the moment and for me what's really difficult to pinpoint a precise moment and it sounds really sad to say but my feeling of hopelessness really spanned the age range of 14 or 15 through to 30. So a really Gosh. big span of my life. And I'm only, I say only 39 now. Can I use the word only with 39? <laughs> yeah, of course you but, can, um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm only 39 now. So the point being, it's been a really big portion of my life. And obviously before 14, you know, you're a child and you, mm. you know, hopefully you know, for most children, we don't really know what hopelessness is. Mm. So I kind of feel that I'm, I'm almost in my first still in my first decade of feeling okay and, yeah. and not hopeless as well. So 
I suppose to go back and explain what happened in that time in terms of why that feeling of hopeless, hopelessness spans such a long time is unfortunately and very sadly, I was in an abusive relationship from age 14 or 15 through to about 21, 22. Gosh. So okay. obviously at the time it was, I was really young. I kind of, you're 14 or 15, you start dating a boy and he's, he was only two years older than me and life, you know, life is fun, life is good. But I look back and actually pretty early doors, the, the abuse I was receiving was was emotional and mental, definitely straight away, and actually pretty soon into the relationship, even physical abuse as well. Gosh. And you know, there was, I can describe a moment which is really sad, and I don't I don't want to kind of to to draw on the sad moments, mm. but it's, I think it's important to give examples. Mm. So I remember being maybe fifteen or sixteen, and so my then boyfriend was he was working so he would mm-hmm. wear shirts to work and I'd, I'd like to play the pretend housewife and iron his shirts mm-hmm. for him yeah so I remember ironing the shirt and he came across and said that I hadn't ironed the sleeve I think it was in in, in the right way so I made a joke because what well, you can always do your own ironing you know ha ha yeah all very very much banter as a kind yeah. of a word that kids use nowadays but it was all very light-hearted and he proceeded then to come around to sort of take over if you like the iron picked up the iron and slammed it into my arm <gasps> But that split second, what I ended up with was a perfect iron shape oh on my, my left goodness. arm. And I can look down. Thankfully, I don't have a scar. So thankfully, it didn't scar. Yeah. But I can look down to my left arm now and see exactly where that mark was. Oh my goodness. And so really, at that time, what should have done, and obviously what I would have told my 15 or 16-year-old self, was to run, Kerry, run. Mm. Um, and of course, what I don't, you know, I didn't realise at the time, but I, was, I felt so hopeless. My self-esteem was so battered that... I kind of just thought it was normal. And so therefore, in fact, even soon after that event is that we ended up buying a house together. You know, thankfully, no children were brought into the situation. So that was a, a real saving grace. Mm. But for those for the period of time, that 14 to 15 to maybe 21, 22, really formative years for anyone, but for, for a girl. Mm. And so I spent that time feeling terribly hopeless. But I managed to I say, I guess I managed to escape and mm. I say again, not to not to dwell into the escape too much, but I got to a point where I was starting to feel quite strong. It was in, in the summertime. I started to feel quite strong one year and I thought I, I knew I wasn't happy. I thought, right, time to escape, Kerry, time to time to go. Right. And then my my nana died just as another oh, kind sorry. of big life event, mm. which is really sad. Then before I knew it, I blinked and it was my the year's anniversary of my nana's death. And I thought to myself, hang on a minute, Kerry, this is this is another year. Right. Yeah, and that to me was the the pickup, I suppose, to me. So it wasn't wasn't exactly straight away, but within literally within a couple of weeks, I'd found the strength and I'd gone. So great, happy days. I'm early early twenties. I've got my life ahead of me. Mm. What I then again looking back and I found that what I actually did is I, I then I escaped, but jumped into sort of frying pan to fire situation. Jumped jumped into another relationship. Now this one was the polar opposite. You know, no violence, no issues of emotional and mental you know torture if you like Mm. so life seemed really great but however it wasn't there was there were signs along the way that things weren't right Um, and I was choosing to miss those signs and again I know now looking backwards it's because my self-esteem was shot and what those signs basically were was and again what came out at the very end of that relationship by which time I was 30 so that mm-hmm. again it was quite a long time of my mm. of my life was that the person had been cheating on me and oh, so whereas gosh. I was getting these beautiful declarations of, of love and affection mm. actually 
the, and again, the signs that I'd seen along the way were signs of that. Right. And I kind of chose to blink as firmly on because there's no way that I want to kind of to move away from, you know, from this situation. So mm. I ultimately found myself, I mean, 30 is a poignant age anyway for a Most woman. And I think we all kind mm. of, you know, turning 30, oh my goodness, it's 30. So suddenly I found myself 30 and alone, I suppose, in some mm. respects, but mm. lost, absolutely desperately lost. And I suppose, again, looking back at that point is kind of, you know, I was, well, to be precise, I was 30 and a half, <laughs> at age 30 and a half, looking back. And I, what I actually did, and I kind of, I looked back to being 14 or 15 and thought, what have you done? You've just wasted half, mm. literally half of your life. That's so and hard. I felt mm. hopeless. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not surprised. I mean, it sounds like such difficult experiences almost back to back and like you were saying starting from the age of 14 you're so young and you're so impressionable and keen to please and potentially vulnerable as well and that's really formative time in your development really really important time and especially as you're saying as a woman as well you know obviously I can relate to to that element but I do think we're so impressionable and we Mm -hmm almost aren't sure what's right and wrong yet we're only just figuring it out ourselves so we're looking outside ourselves for sort of proof social proof of what is okay and what's not okay and we still haven't made quite made those judgments yet we're not firm in our knowledge of who we are so then to have that kind of relationship where you'd be abused in that way and pushed around and made to feel like what you're thinking isn't the right thing is going to destroy your self-esteem you know because you're only just beginning to form Mm. your self-esteem at 14 absolutely and then having that kind of experience then of going into something different but at the same time the sort of trust betrayal going on as well that you like you said there were clues and indicators there but you weren't able to see or acknowledge them you're able to see them perhaps but you weren't able to acknowledge them because ultimately your your kind of barometer of right and wrong is telling you but this this man is treating me in an amazing way this man is showing me love and affection and is not doing all those awful things that I've experienced before however there's something else going on and also something that made me think there when you described at 30 and a half being on your own and feeling lost something really interesting to me is that we can come out of relationships that have been really toxic and really damaging and still feel a sense of loss feel a sense of even though we might be relieved to get out of that situation Mm. or potentially we know it's better for us but we still can have this moment of like well what what now who am I who am I now I've got you know what have I got now and that's really unsettling really unsettling and I think for me what was was really difficult is that I guess I should add that throughout that entire time I never told a soul anything oh wow not not a soul because from again from the 1415 part and again looking back I I can see this now but hindsight's Mm. a wonderful thing is I was I was drawn away from my network of friends at school so you know so if there was a um even shopping with friends of a weekend is I wasn't allowed to go or rather he wouldn't he wouldn't say you're not allowed to go but it would be made a point and it'd be it'd be made far too difficult so I really disconnected and was basically withdrawn from my friend's network that I had 
certainly didn't tell any of my family at all, mm-hmm. even though they would have been the most supportive people in the world. And in fact, right. when I did disclose to them later on as to what had happened, they were obviously upset for me, mm. you know, angry at him. Yeah. Wanted to hunt him down, of course. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of, especially my brother. Mm, yeah, <laughs> um, right. I can imagine. But, yeah, that's when the kind of protection. But again, all of that was open to me. All of that was available to me. If I had, mm. if I had said at 15, 16, you know, show people my arm, look what's just happened to me, it would have ended and I right. would have escaped, if you like. And it, maybe life would have been different. But mm. I guess that's the point is you're absolutely right. It was the, I also didn't have a barometer of maybe what normal was. Now, I knew that I knew it wasn't right what was happening. Mm. And in fact, for anyone who remembers watching EastEnders way back then, this was the Trevor and Little Mo time. Oh, yeah. So, so the domestic violence storyline in EastEnders was playing out in front of us three, three or four times a week, every week. Right. And in fact, there were even times, and this sounds ridiculous there were even times when we would sit watching tv when it was a good day and I would even joke with him you're Trevor you are and he right. and he would laugh back and go ha ha don't be ridiculous you know, or, or, or cheeky you know cheeky gits mm. and that kind of stuff so we would laugh about it almost mm. and it was because maybe my barometer was so skewed that I thought it was okay and of course you hit, you hit the nail on the head then when I managed to escape and leave my new barometer then was again still dented mm-hmm. because, you know, I just desperately wanted this situation to be okay. Yeah. And in fact, I mean, what I did over the course of, you know, even being, I remember being again, 15, 16 through to you know 30 or early thirties, trying to find ways to fix myself. I was thinking I'd go to the doctors and I would, I did the right thing. I, I reached out, albeit to my doctor, not to friends and family, mm. but I'd go to the doctor and you know, say, help I feel really low I wouldn't say maybe exactly what was going on and so yeah. I, I would do the the, the anti you know, I do the depressing the depressant test and mm-hmm. the anxiety test yeah and I would I would pass with flying colors in that I got the, the box ticked yes you're depressed and yes you've, you've got anxiety right. and I would be given oh, I, I was given antidepressants right. so I, I had antidepressants and funny enough antidepressants didn't fix domestic violence mm, right <laughs> yeah um, and didn't fix the abuse that I was getting but I was just desperate to find the, the problem with me that would fix it. So then when I was in my sort of the second sort of phase of my life, if you like, when now I'm not having the domestic violence, but all these other feelings of self-esteem, mm. I was confusing self-esteem with depression, anxiety, stress. And again, I, I, then I was back to the doctor again. And I remember having some CBT sort of sessions. Yeah. Um, I remember having, again, and I say antidepressants again, mm. Mm because I was just desperate for a medical diagnosis. I was desperate for a pill that mm-hmm. I could take that, could fix that would it. make it all better. And again, funny enough, there wasn't a pill. And I, what I didn't realize that it wasn't me that had to change in the way that I was behaving. I had to change the way that I was feeling about me. Yeah, yeah. That seems really, really important what you've just said there, because there is something here about our bodies giving us messages and in us being kind of unwell i want to say in quotation marks it's often our our body giving us clues about something that needs to change and potentially about something that's going on in our thoughts and feelings as opposed to what's going on in our body like the body is it, anything wrong outside is this is almost a symptom rather than the root cause and and like you say you were trying to in a way identify something so that you could put the difficult feelings onto that thing oh it's that thing it's anxiety or it's depression or it's it's not 
me and what's going on here rather than look it was almost like you were desperately trying to keep the blinkers on and not look at what was going on because looking at what's going on means facing up to it doesn't it It means facing up to the fact that things aren't aren't okay and you're not okay and you're not feeling okay and your body is giving you messages albeit you know in code if you like Mm -hmm. um that that it wants to get out it doesn't want to be here this isn't right this doesn't feel good and I don't feel good and it's really interesting because I do find a lot working with clients that if someone comes to me and talks to me about feeling anxious particularly anxious or feeling depressed once we sort of dig deep and sort of try and figure out what's going on behind so often there is something going on that they don't want to face up to or they don't want to think about or they don't want to notice and it's been potentially can have been going on for a long time but it is that thing of this is a safety mechanism which is now doing us damage like initially it's too painful to look at whatever's going on and so you're keeping yourself safe by not looking but there does become Mm -hmm. a point where it gets really really toxic and and that idea of trying to find a pill or trying to find something to fix it it really interests me that you you went to the doctor because you knew something was wrong and almost that it was almost easier to talk to a professional that you don't know than mm-hmm. it is to talk to the people you know and love and say, this is going on and I'm feeling like this. And that's something as well that I can really personally relate to, how difficult it is sometimes to let the people you love know that mm-hmm. you're having a really hard time, that you're struggling. Like That's almost more difficult from many different sides as well, from the sort of side of not wanting to disappoint people or let people down, also not wanting to hurt people because you don't want them to know that you're sad because you know it'll make them sad. There's so many different layers to that. It really is. And it's really fascinating you say that because I think back to the first person that I opened up to, so not a non-doctor, non-medical professional. And ironically, it was um, where I was working at the time. So again, just in my phase of my life where I was. So the first relationship has ended and I'm probably about halfway through that second relationship. So yes, things were happening and blinkers were on, on the Mm. self-esteem front, but I suddenly, there was a lady at work and she was the, the lady was the receptionist of the office that I worked in. Okay. Really lovely lady. And we would, as I was kind of walking in and out, you'd have a natter and the natter sort of generally get a bit long, a bit, bit longer. And we realized that we had a lot of shared values. We were very alike. Mm. And, you know, so things started progressing. And ironically, she was the first person that I opened up to, I suppose. I can't even remember how it came up or, or why it came up. Right. But I remember opening up and saying these words about that I was in this, this violent, abusive, you know, emotional, mental, difficult situation. And what happened was she didn't recoil in shock and horror and disgust. She didn't look at me and go, oh, my goodness, what, what, you know, what are you talking about? She just listened. Right. And yeah what I realized is that she she listened intently and she asked me questions mm. and we we got what we kind of went for a walk around the building where we worked and I, I again I started to open up more and more to her and in fact that person became a really firm friend and in fact Aww. I would class her as my my best friend Aww. today is which is really lovely That's amazing. Um, but then what I identified is the reason why she was so interested in my story is because she was going through something similar that's she so didn't, interesting. Yeah, it was. And I didn't know this, clearly, because she'd done a great job at masking it like I was doing yeah. a great. I'd done a great job mm. for years. No one knew, yeah. uh, knew knew anything. So gradually she then listening to my story felt the strength to open up to me. And 
thankfully for her it wasn't violent but certainly from the things I was hearing it was the emotional and it was meant sort of mental turmoil mm. so then again as as our friendship progressed her then partner would pick her up from work a couple of times and standing on the outside I could see it plain as day right Right. what was going on mm. um I could see the way that he was looking at her I could see the way that she was you know almost like a quiet mouse when she was around him afraid to say the wrong thing afraid to maybe look at a man who was leaving the building in case she got you know accused of mm. fancying him and all this mm-hmm. kind of, um, so I, I saw it so again I then so she started as my support in terms of being able to open up and then we were supporting each other yeah I remember she came to me one day and she said that I'm not happy Kerry I, I want to I want to leave. I want mm-hmm. this to be done. Right. So I gave her the support and I said, look, you will know when the time's right. I'm not going to tell you, you have to do it this Saturday. And if mm. I come into work on Monday and you haven't, I'm going to be really angry at you. It's not that. Now for her, it had to evolve every year or maybe 18 months or so before she had, again, this strength yeah. for her to leave that situation. Mm-hmm. And again, now, not to go into her story, but the punchline of her story is, is now she's, terribly happy she's got a husband who she adores (laughs) and lots of animals around them which is their kind of their children and she's really happy and so it was just it was fascinating to me that exactly she say the the first person that I opened up to wasn't a friend wasn't a family member because Mm -hmm. I was I was so scared of them being hurt for me yeah but the strength that I felt when I first said those words I can't tell you it's so powerful isn't it it's so powerful when you're able to name it and put it outside of yourself because all of the time that it's within you you almost can't put it out there and look at it and I know through words you're not necessarily putting it out there to look at but you are putting it outside yourself and you again get that sort of social proof from other people you get a response from other people you hear how it sounds as your words say it as well and and you know within you you get the feelings about whether this is okay or not and and if it's not why not and there is something so powerful about saying it out loud I think it's it's really interesting also to me that you how uncanny it is the the connections that you make with people that so often when you're in a really difficult situation you will connect up with someone who for some reason is going through something of some similarity because your energies are at a similar level you know of work potentially for the two of you being the place where you felt a little bit more free and able to be yourself and open up potentially you know or however it might be but for people but I am really fascinated about how connected we all are even when we don't feel that connected you know that other people feel your energy and like you were talking about when you'd see your friend's partner pick her up and and you could just see the the shift in her energy and it was so recognizable to you because you've been in that experience and you know what it feels like and I think it, it is really noticeable and as well you spoke about the time it takes to get out because often people need a lot of support and preparation and time to build up their self-esteem time to build up their strength because if you're in an abusive situation chances are you've your self-esteem your confidence has been slowly eroded away on a very deep deep level and and you need time don't you You need time and support and and nurture to get to the Mm. point where you feel like I'm even strong enough to do this and that can be quite difficult I think maybe even frustrating for families and friends and people who love that person and can see them going through a really difficult time because they you know in your mind you think oh why don't they just get up and go yeah 
but but you can't you know when you're in that scenario it's not it's not as simple as that no it's not that easy and that's such an important point so thanks for for making it because what sends me crackers is that if you are in a situation where people are talking about this let's say there's a storyline on the tv and people say well why doesn't she just leave a mum lives across the road why doesn't she just you know all you've got to do is walk out the front door and into your mum's house and it's all sorted and it sends me crackers because it's not that easy I remember I can I can describe a time where something had happened I I think whatever it was I remember being pushed and I fell against a wall mm. and my thumb was bent backwards really really quite oh, hard dear. against the wall and it was really it was really sore I remember then packing a suitcase a small suitcase with my left hand and kind of just thinking right pants socks tops mm. you know, I was really practical you know shampoo yeah. conditioner ha- hairbrush yeah. it wasn't just a, a ranty pack it was mm. this was a pack packing the suitcase to go pack so I, I remember chucking all this stuff into the suitcase I'm not going to do this anymore and I you know stormed out I'm walking up the street with my um, with my little suitcase, and I got to the end of the cul-de-sac, and I about turned and walked home. Right. Because it was, well, where are you going, Kerry? What are you going to do? If I call my mum, she's going to go off her rocker, not at me, at mm-hmm. him, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which is arguably, well, it is. It's the correct thing to, to, yeah. to do. Yeah, but it doesn't um, necessarily make it easier for you in the scenario. That makes it really hard for you. Yeah, and I think, well, if I, call my, if I go to my dad, then... My dad's a really is an emotional sausage in all in all the best possible ways, but he's going to be so upset for me. Mm-hmm. And all this is kind of going through my head. And then there's the element of embarrassment mm-hmm. of, well, it's all right, Kerry, you walk that, that big four bedroom house that you two have just bought, and you know it's all you know, keeping up with the Joneses type situation. What? And now you're all going to fall flat on your face. Yeah. And so all of these kind of zo- thoughts zooming through my head in the length of a few hundred yards to the end of the cul-de-sac, and I about mm. turned and walked home and unpacked my pants my socks my hair brush and oh gosh that's and I, devastating then I was you know, back heartbreaking to be absolutely to... and the point being is that we can't give people deadlines is that people have to be ready emotionally physically sometimes you know kind of mentally prepared mm-hmm. and I think really what I would I guess what I'd call out for anyone listening to this is that if you're observing someone who's going through this just be there for them don't don't put demands on them about what they must yeah. do yeah just yeah be there for them and be ready to support when they take the step and of course you can gently encourage along the way but my friend who I helped even now we talk about it all these years later and she still says that one of the, the biggest strengths that I gave her was that I was just there and yeah. she you know she knew that if she'd said to me on a Friday and there was this this has happened practically on a Friday after, at work she'd say to me this weekend's the weekend Kerry I'm gonna I'm gonna do it I've got it all prepared she'd worked it all out in her mind and then on the Monday morning when she came in and I'd sort of just look at her expectantly, you know, almost just eyes opened a little, didn't say anything, yeah. just eyes open a little bit, just ask that that unworded question and she'd just shake her head and it'd be like that, that's okay. You yeah, know, yeah, I'm here. Just, yeah. just give me a shout. And that's all we needed to say. And that's all it was. And then maybe a few days or a few weeks later, she'd, she'd say to me that the reason as to why she felt it wasn't the right time. But she did it in the end and that's the most and I did it in the end and that's the yeah. most important thing it is and thank you for saying that because I think it's really important for people to hear because it can be so hard if you do know someone who's going through this and to know what to say and to know how to support them and it's so so helpful to hear you know from someone who's been in that situation what did you need to hear or what is the most helpful thing to hear because it is really really difficult and 
there isn't a right or wrong answer for anyone it's a process and it takes time and a lot of gentleness I think and and also potentially what you said there about giving each other support and that's ultimately the thing that really encourages the biggest change is knowing that someone is in your corner no matter what whether you do what you wanted to do or whether you don't but there's also this you know if you can be there for someone and and to the point where you can say you know if you need to come and stay you don't need to say anything to me just turn up at the door and it's absolutely fine there's always summer here for you there's no need for you to tell me what's going on but you know I've got that space for you and I think that's another thing as well that you just provide people the support in any way that you can and and don't ask for an explanation you know potentially you'll get it maybe you won't but ultimately you will be helping regardless of whether you get an explanation about what's going on or not and you I think most of the time we can feel it in our energy if someone is really hurting can't we we can feel it if they're having a really hard time and potentially something that might feel quite small to us is going to be massive to that person because it's just a chance to breathe a moment to just take five minutes and get out and that's that's really really important I think there was also something I wanted to return to that you made me think Mm. about there that you were talking about when you do open up and how important that is and I think fortunately we live in a society now that people even if we don't know what to say generally people are really supportive if you open up and I, and I do believe that and this is one of my big missions with this podcast is helping people to realize that actually when you're really vulnerable and you open up to people they generally feel really privileged they don't judge you they don't think oh my goodness you know they don't start to question you or your morals or anything else more often than not people want to help and people feel very honored that you've opened up to them about something really personal but there is a situation sometimes where we can talk to people about what's going on and and I don't I absolutely don't want to sort of criticize generations older than me but it might well come from someone who is from an older generation where you might open up about something like this and they don't have anything to support you with. They may just say, well, you know, that's just the way things are sometimes. And that's another thing that we need to sort of be mindful and also push against this stigma. You know, it is not okay for anyone to be in a relationship where they're being abused mentally, physically, emotionally, any of those. It's really not okay for someone to be stuck and feel unable to move, unable to get out, like they've lost their freedom. You know, all of those things are are not all right. That's not emotional freedom. That's not independence. That's not self-nurturing, self-care. It's not any of those things. And so even if you're in a situation like this and you open up or you have opened up and then you've had someone come back to you with a an answer that really wasn't what you needed to hear just be really gentle with yourself you know I think that's my feeling there that I just suddenly felt at times people don't know what to say and they might say something that isn't the right thing no, you're, you're completely right. I think I mean, after I opened up to my now best friend, but after mm. I opened up at that time, I then felt more strength to open up. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't go around saying my name's Kerry and I was abused. Yeah. It, it wasn't it wasn't like that. But what I felt was if there was a situation where the topic came up in conversation, mm. then I was happy to disclose my story and yeah. just to just to explain it. And you're right. Some people don't know what to what to do and what to say. And some people just go, oh, my goodness, that's awful. Yeah. And then and you know that maybe 
they are maybe perhaps a little uncomfortable only because mm. maybe they don't know what to say. Yeah. But again, for me, one of my stock answers is always that, you know, I'm not ashamed of what happened. It wasn't my fault. It's fine. We can talk about it. You know, and again, yeah. I can I can relay examples of situations that happened to me, like with the iron, for example. And I've got so many stories I could tell, if you like, so, and they're mm. really shocking. But I can mm. tell it in a fairly lighthearted way now, mm. because for me, it's it's been and it's gone. Mm-hmm. And I've now found the strength kind of where I've got to, where I've not just overcome, but I feel I've overcome and exceeded Again, even my own expectations as to to where I, I might get to. Mm. So yeah, I would certainly say if if you do if, if anyone does reach out to someone and you either get a bit bit of blankness, yeah, you know, back or maybe a, even if a bit of pushback, perhaps slightly. Mm. Sometimes people might even give pushback. I mean, I, again, I, I remember saying saying to someone, I can't think who it was now, but it, it was it, it was a slightly older person, and and they sort of went really. But he always came across as really lovely, almost doubting that what yeah. I was saying. Yeah, yeah. But it shouldn't put us off because that's just not to say that they did doubt it. Again, it could just be that they didn't really know what to say. Yeah. And I think quite often that is the case. And it's just sometimes people have a, an instant response without necessarily thinking about the impact that that's going to have on that person. And and like yeah. you say, the pushback is can be really damaging when it's taken someone so much to have the confidence to reach out and say something just thank you so much for being so vulnerable because I think it's such a powerful message and so many people can benefit from hearing about this regardless of whether they've had a similar experience or not but because it means that we're aware of the kind of experiences that can be going on and we also are aware of how we can better support anyone if we do find out that someone is in a really difficult position you know that we have got a better idea about what to say and how to support them and how to not put them under any pressure and and all of those things I just think it's so so valuable and important so thank you no you're very welcome it is like like I said when we first met is it's so important to talk it's so important to share yeah absolutely so bring us forward a little bit in terms of Mm. your recovery so I know you spoke about this going on over a long period of time but you know when you were beginning to feel like things were, were beginning to get better or maybe even it was in that point mm. of like 30 and a half when you were feeling very very lost what began to give you hope what began to support you and help you with your journey so I think for me without again without realizing it at the time and what the label was but I think what happened is I started to be aware of the importance of self-worth right and the importance of self-worth and knowing my own worth and knowing my own value mm. um and really moving away from that focus and self-esteem. So, I mean, in terms of the chronology and timeline as to kind of what happened is I remember then, you know, a bit later on, obviously my, that sort of second relationship situation is all done and dusted, gone, you know, mm. put to bed. Um, thankfully, the house that, that we were living at in at the time was my house. Right. So on the practical perspective, I still had my home, my house. Mm-hmm. And um, what I'd done all the way through all of this somehow I channeled myself into work. So for me, my work, my career was my was my safe place. Yeah. So that's where I could thrive and that's where I could grow. And so I just started to do, do more of that. Now, what I did on the personal front is I then met someone new. Barriers were well and truly up, as you can imagine. Yeah, of course. Um, this it was so so much so that you know when we first kind of it, it was all very, very slow, a very sort of gentle start in terms of how we met introduced kind of via a mutual friend 
And I was kind of very much, yeah, whatever. If it goes somewhere, that's fine. If it doesn't, that's fine. You're kind of super cool and <laughs> yeah, not right. wanting to go, you know, this, I've gone from frying pan into the fire. There's no, I'm not going doing it again. Now, as that relationship developed, it developed in a really lovely, natural, organic way. Mm-hmm. So from that side of things, I suddenly realized, oh, this is what it is to be happy in a relationship. Right. Oh, okay. So I don't need uber declarations of of love all the time because that's kind of what I was getting before and, and it was false. Mm-hmm. Um, and clearly the violence piece, kind of, there was absolutely none of that. This person just made me feel safe and just content. So much so as that developed again slowly at first and then it obviously accelerated and and now we're married so we've been married for five years this year and so that's a really kind of happy story from there Mm. and so so that part was great but then on the other part kind of on my work side of things is I really recognize this the self-worth and the value of me Mm -hmm. and my work as well and I started to really get interested in that so what I'd done is I then started to think so my career had been successful, but I started to, once I was so much more, so, so much more comfortable with me. So by now, mm. age wise, it's kind of, where am I now? So it's got to be about 33-ish, maybe okay. somewhere like that. So early mm-hmm. 30s. So I was doing really well in my career, but I almost had a bit of a word with myself and it was like, right, time to step up, Gary. You can, you can do even more. You can do even better. So I started to then transform my career. And I guess what happened was, as I started to put some of those techniques in, in mm-hmm. terms of what I was doing to transform my career. As I was then, again, I was happier in myself, mm. which then I think meant I was happy in my, my relationship. And suddenly, aged kind of early 30s, it was a, it was a real kind of a blossoming moment, I suppose, yeah. in terms of, of what I was about. And suddenly I had this newfound confidence and assertiveness, even in work, even in the place where I thought I was already pretty good, mm-hmm. like, to be honest. It was the, the one part of my life I was always pretty happy with. Yeah it just I just stepped up even more and it was all stemming from that realization that actually I'm worth it I've got the value I'm self-employed and so that client I work with is lucky to have me working with them yes my my now husband god he's lucky to have me yeah you know it was a mutual thing it wasn't about being becoming a big head it wasn't about going the other way around no it was just a newfound satisfaction I suppose in myself I really love that because it's it's about affirming self-worth isn't it and like you said it's not a it's not a big-headed egotistical thing it's no. it's about it's just about getting to the point of like I actually have a lot to offer like I have I bring a lot to the table I have a lot of skills and positive attributes and a, and a great personality and I suppose it's reminding ourselves because we don't often sit down and think you know, what are the things that I'm good at and list them out? Or what are the things that I can do? Or who am I as a person? What are my values? And even that, just a short amount of time to reflect on the things that you've done and the things that you've been through is so empowering because it just makes mm. you realise, actually, I can do some stuff. I can achieve some things. I've achieved some massive things. And they might have not seen, like, necessarily felt like it at the time but when you do take that time to look back and reflect it it is really really significant so I I really love that I think it's so transformational and powerful to just take that time for yourself to realize how much value you bring and be gentle with yourself about that affirm the things that you are are doing you can do and affirm your worth and that's really really important because 
we can start from a place of not feeling very worthy or not feeling like we can do all that much but even just listing down one or two things that you've done that you were proud of begins to tap into those feelings of yeah feeling worthy totally and I think sometimes people sometimes ask me what what is self-worth how do you describe self-worth and for me it's if you think about a tree mm-hmm. and it's really it's, it's feeding the roots mm. and it's building those firm roots of the tree because guarantee that kind of winds of self-doubt are going to come now that yeah. self-doubt can be when you look in the mirror and you, and you think oh that I don't like that outfit Kerry or this and again some of that will definitely stem back from my previous kind of experiences so that self-doubt will come the even the self-doubt in work in an area mm-hmm. where you may be comfortable I can start a new piece of work with a client and have some self-doubt but if my roots are strong when that wind comes and it blows my branches a bit I stand firm so it's not about avoiding the winds it's because you can't yes you, you can't avoid the wobbly days and the wobbly moments that you're going to have and what I'm what I'm not saying is any I'm not I don't want to give any kind of false impression that age 33 Kerry's fixed and, it, and that's it you know, <laughs> yeah it's of sadly not it wasn't it wasn't quite like that I still have situations now of you know again if you want to put labels on it it can be imposter syndrome sometimes mm. it can be self-doubt it can be self-esteem it can be we can all have a feeling a bit of a fat day you know in, yeah, in terms yeah. of when you look in the mirror but the point being is that it's it's how quickly you're able to recover and it's if you feed your your roots and if you concentrate on your roots of your tree then again when that wind comes then you're going to stand firm that's such a brilliant analogy Kerry I love that I think it's it's really relatable to as well it's really accessible I think just by sort of yeah feeding nourishing your inner self nourishing the roots nourishing how you're feeling and 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 your kind of confidence self-esteem self-worth all of that is so valuable and it comes out in so many positive ways and yeah you can you can weather the storm because like you say there will be storms there will be winds there will be times that are really difficult it's unavoidable and actually I you know unpopular opinion but I actually think we wouldn't want life without them we don't no, want the storms but they change us and in there and they're in really positive ways as well you know even yeah, thinking about agree even thinking about coronavirus, you know, none of us would have chosen that for ourselves, but how much value has it helped people realign in terms of the things that really matter and, and, you know, what you actually need to feel happy and safe. And it's actually much less than we, than we imagined. And the, you know, the thing that matters is that people around us that we love know that we love them and that we feel cared for. We've got a a roof over our head and food to eat and feel warm and comfortable you know it's really simple actually the things that make us content and actually maybe that's what we're aiming for is is strong roots like you're talking about which I love Mm -hmm. and aiming for content like we don't need to be deliriously happy all the time because it's not it's not sustainable it's not feasible but if we aim for content then that's something that feels much more achievable and we don't feel like we're failing if we're not doing it which is yeah Yeah. seems really important it's so important and as you say I mean now as we talk you know in terms of the time frame where we are in corona as we talk now I'm really excited about us being allowed out to play again yes I can meet up with that (laughs) friend who I spoke about so we can go for and it's nothing exotic we're not talking no. about two weeks in the caribbean mm-hmm. we just want to go for a walk together right. and and have a natter in person two yeah. meters distance all that kind of stuff of course yeah. but it's those things that make us 
really content. And for mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it was part of what I did during sort of the the twenty twenty lockdown. Really, mm-hmm. was that I was fortunate enough in my work capacity to still be busy. So I was still working with clients, and I was really fortunate about that. But I really started to think about well, this idea of happiness and contentment, and I I would. I was thinking well really we spend so much time at work we all spend yeah. whatever work that we do mm-hmm. and regardless of how much we, we might love our work that life really is too short to be yes. anything other than happy at yes. work you think mm-hmm. if you spend regardless of what your shift time is but we all spend a huge portion of our life working because we have to to pay the bills mm, yeah and so we really want to be happy and that for me was what again building on all of this and the idea of self-worth what got me to then launch at the back end of 2020, I launched a new arm of my business called Aquino Adventure. Now, interestingly, a bit of trivia for anyone listening is if it comes up in a pub quiz when we're allowed back in the pub. <laughs> is, um, so the word Aquino means bright and shiny in Japanese. Okay. So my, my primary business is called Aquino and that's a business consultancy. So I really wanted to build on that word because of its meaning, Aquino mm-hmm. Aquino and bright and shining so then the Aquino adventure came about because what Aquino adventure is is it's the adventure to career happiness to career oh, satisfaction okay okay and it was exactly all underpinned from you know taking some time during lockdown to to look at the people around me the clients I was working with the friends and the family and those people that were sat on furlough and suddenly had time on their hands and suddenly thought to themselves I'm not sure I like my job very much right? because I've now got time to spend with my family or, you know, mm-hmm. or at home. And, and so for me, it was all of those things and it was all of my experiences and the, the own transformation that I did in my own career. And I thought, well, that transformation I did myself and the, the point that I managed to get myself happy in my mm-hmm. career, I had to really muddle my way through and it was really quite difficult yeah. at times. Yeah. So what if I, because I've got a coaching sort of accreditation. So what if I take my coaching, take some mentoring type approach, take some practical support, critical friend, confidential space, and all these other good things. And I then create something, a keynote adventure is what it became. And it just energized me but energize me because I'm going to be helping people to become energized. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. Like there's so, that's so important to love what you do. And it's taken me a long time to get there. Mm. You know, at various points I've, there's been huge elements of what I do that I love, but you really need to fundamentally love what you do for work in order to have that kind of level of, contentedness you know because we do you're so right we spend so many hours and and also with what you were saying about so many people have been on furlough and have had the opportunity to reflect which we spend lots of time running away from sometimes if Mm. we know we're sitting in a situation that we're not that happy with we'd just rather not look at it so I'm just going to keep myself busy and keep going and keep going keep going and not look at it and and being at home in these sort of lockdown situations yeah for so many people just brings to the forefront actually it's not quite what I want to be doing and and I love that. So we were, of course, we were going to get onto what you're doing anyway. And we've naturally got there, which is really Sorry, lovely. Yes, I, I no, don't apologise. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's perfect timing. It's, I wonder if there's anything, do you want to fill that out at all in terms of what you've told us? Give us the full information about what it is that you do. 
Yeah, sure. So I suppose to give you the quick story as to where it all came from, because it is one of those situations where the stars kind of just aligned, I suppose. And that's why, again, I want to inspire people to have their eyes open, to look for the stars, if you like, to continue Love the analogy. So I was doing some work in what I call my day job. So my primary business, Aquino Limited, is, is business consultancy. I support big companies, largely automotive companies on huge transformation projects. Really exciting. And I love it. I love cars as a subject matter. So I really genuinely love that work that I do. So the kind of projects that I might help people on is if anyone's ever been to Westfield in London, into the shopping centre, Sayat, so Sayat UK decided working with their factory in Barcelona, that they wanted to sell cars in the shopping centre. And so that challenge of how to make that happen and how to operate this this store in a Mm. shopping centre, um, that came to me and the project team and we made that happen. And it was amazing. It was great. I spent a fortune working in Westfield Shopping Centre. But <laughs> yeah, that's, I bet. That's, another story, that's another story. <laughs> really great. And I love it. Now, in early 2019, I was working on a project with a client and the lady I was working with was having some difficulties um, with with her job, with her role and was having some real confidence issues and some practical issues in terms of the projects. And I was just helping her, you know, as, mm. I, as I do. Mm. And she turned to me one day and she said, Kerry, you're really good at this. And I said, really good at what? Because uh, I genuinely didn't know what she meant. And she said, you've been like my coach, my support, my mentor. You know what, Kerry, you're like my career angel, is what oh, she said. Oh, that's so and lovely. It was really, and that was my reaction. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> and it was, I thought, oh my goodness, you're right. And Funny enough, she challenged me. She was like, well, think back to your other projects. And I started to think back and I realized I had, I've been doing this sort of coaching mentoring type piece. So I kind of zipped off and booked into a a coaching course a bit later in the year to Mm. be accredited in in coaching. And the coaching actually was underpinned by the importance of self-worth. So the whole coaching piece was founded on the importance of self-worth so that's why it really resonated with me it wasn't just a an online coaching course tick you, you ticked a box Kerry so I did it so the course ended up being back end of 2019 of course lockdown come before we knew it in 2020 mm. I was busy with my day job thankfully but what I did during 2020 I started to shape what Akina Adventure as it, as it became known would be and so really as it was launched then at the end of 2020 and as I, as I stand now talking to you and the clients that I'm working with I'm just super energized and super pleased with the clients I'm working with now I help people who are perhaps having career confidences so those those career wobbly moments you know yeah. am I good enough am I in the right job am I in the right industry it can be career stresses mm-hmm. massive overwhelm mm-hmm. especially if you are one of the non-furlough people who are yeah. the world is resting on your shoulders yeah and then perhaps those who are just struggling to find their career identity so exactly as you say do I really want to do this job? Do I really want to work in this industry? You know, I've always wanted to be an art therapist, for example. Mm-hmm. How on earth would I would I make that leap? Mm-hmm. So I support those people who just want to either find their identity or transform completely. So what I encourage is people to come to the website or social media. And I know you'll share, obviously, the handles and stuff, which is of great. Course. But the website, for example, akinoadventure.co.uk and Akino, because I know it's a, Jap- it's a Japanese word, so it's A-K-E-N-O. Mm-hmm. I ask people, I encourage people to book a free discovery session and let's just have a natter and let's just talk through. And if after that discovery session, this isn't about me touting for work. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if people want to work with me, that's lovely and that's really nice and I'd love to work with them. But for me, I want to give people the first step on that adventure. And just if I can help them take the first step, help to point them in a bit of a direction 
and then give them the energy and the motivation. And if they continue their journey, and and people have, people have come to me for a discovery session already, even in the early days that we've launched. Mm. And they haven't maybe been in a, in a position where they maybe either or want or can take on a, a professional service, maybe yeah. due to the cost perhaps, yeah. but you know, circumstance. But even with my direction, they're off. They're on their adventure. And I ask them to report back to me because I'm genuinely interested. Oh, I and love so that. they'll come back to me after a few weeks and say, Kerry, you know that thing you suggested, I've yeah. done it. And I'm like, I'm their biggest supporter. Brilliant. Off you go. Ne- next on, on your list. That's um, amazing. So that's, that's where I am. So I'm still doing my, my business consultancy, which I love. Blending it now with this now idea of support. And it's just brilliant. Oh, good for you. And I can see how passionate you are about it when you're mm. talking about it. It's so, so lovely. And I can really relate to how rewarding that is when you can support someone and then they go off on their own steam and they carry on that journey. And then you find out it's it's really, really lovely, actually, to just sort of hear about how that ripple effect keeps keeps going. And, and yeah, I absolutely love that. I think we've kind of covered sort of mm. everything I wanted to cover and I'm I'm really grateful to you for how much you've shared with us. I feel like it's just been full of real sort of nuggets of wisdom, which I've loved. So thank you. I wonder if there's any last thoughts or anything you thought you wanted to finish on or there was something else that you felt you wanted to say before we end. Sure, I guess for me is, and I was really mindful of, of sort of thinking what I wanted to close with. And I guess what I would say is, what I say with the Aquino adventure is every adventure starts with the first step. Now, yes. in Aquino adventure world, yes, that's maybe career transformation. But even if you're struggling with your mental health, if you're in a, in a really difficult situation, is start with the first step. And each step that you take after that doesn't have to be a huge leap. It can be the tiniest steps. And I often think back to actually when I was, again, I was talking to a colleague one time and we were talking about phrases and, and words that mean something. And she shared with me, which was really great, she says, remember, it's easier to eat an elephant in bite-sized chunks. <laughs> I which love that. Yeah. I love. So I wouldn't encourage people to eat an elephant. <laughs> no, um, no. But just keep the metaphor in your mind. Is the a problem that you might be facing, whatever that problem might be, might seem huge and insurmountable. But bite-sized chunks, one step at a time on the adventure, and you will get there. Yes, absolutely. That's such a brilliant message to end with as well. I think you're so right that the the whole big picture can be overwhelming, but the the tiny first thing, if you just focus on today and what you can do today and what you can do right now, even forget about the whole day, is a place to begin. So really, really great place to end. So I just want to say thank you so much, Kerry. What a phenomenal journey and story. I've absolutely loved sharing it with you. So thank you. And thank you for the opportunity to join the podcast. It's been really lovely. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. an amazing episode with Kerry. I really enjoyed the conversation and she had so much wisdom and amazing ideas to share. I really love her analogy of the tree and kind of taking care of the roots, our self-worth and really nourishing ourselves because ultimately that is what keeps us resilient, that is what keeps us able to adapt and change when circumstances are difficult and I think it's just a really useful metaphor as well. I really hope you enjoyed the show as always if you did please let us know 